Today we take a look at Joseph Callinger. From child abuse to murder, and floating heads to severed cocks, this story has it all. We'll explore Callinger's rough upbringing with abusive parents, how he dealt with his schizophrenia, how the devil controlled his dangle, and how he would eventually enlist the help of his son to commit heinous murders. This story is unlike any other story we've ever told. So drink a warm-up beer and brace yourselves. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're looking for a heartfelt, feel-good holiday story, unfortunately for you, the crazy cobbler in tonight's twisted tale is no peach. This is Necronomapod. When Callinger's reign of terror ended, three were dead, including his 14-year-old son. You murdered your own son? Yes, I did. Why did you do that? He was a sacrifice. I was to murder three million people on planet Earth. And he was a sacrifice to see if I could murder him if I own. At the end of murdering all the people on Earth, I was going to murder my own family and then take my own life and become God. These voices from God, these hallucinations, do you still experience them? Yes, I do. Often? Often. Do you ever feel violent? Yes, I do. What do you feel like doing? Killing people. He's cracking himself up over here. Orches. (laughs) (laughs) So a bear walks into a bar and he says, I'll have a gin and tonic. The bartender says, okay, but why the pause? The bear looks at him and says, what, these? Had them my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. That's why people come to this show for yeah. humor like that, right? <laughs> I mean, classic on. jokes. Yeah. Not- so, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> tell me if uh, Scientology is on to us guys. I do not follow, nor like, nor talk about, nor mention anything to do with Adidas or Kanye West or those ugly shoes that you wear, Ian. Yeah. My Instagram the unnecessary other, jab. <laughs> my Instagram the other day. There's all these ads for Yeezys. Why? They're just like, they're cool shoes. No, maybe, maybe they first just want of all you they're to not. Buy them. No, but it's all formulated based on like uh, what you typically like and what you're into and follow. And are you secretly looking at Kanye? West I promise of? you, I'm not. Probably. Nope. I don't even follow any of those Kardashians. I love those shoes. They're cool. Yeah. Right. I do. They're really cool. <laughs> Those ones are the best ones. I they don't think. make them in wide, though, so I can't get them. I don't know what to tell you. You got wide feet. Sorry. I know. I'm used to it. They're still fucking cool, though. I, I disagree. How much are you charging for those nowadays? What do you mean? Like, how much am I buying them for? Or no. well, well, I didn't ask. <laughs> I don't even know about your methods. How much do those, do those go for when they're fresh? 220 And what about those new, like, ugly, like, homeless man sweats that he has out? Those are very expensive. You can go to Walmart and buy those for the same looking thing. <laughs> like the Champs generic brand gray yeah. hoodie and, mm-hmm. and shirt. <laughs> You're just paying for that easy tag on the inside. Did you get an ad for those too, Mike? Not yet, but I bet it we will because of Scientology. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, they're on to me. Hmm. Just based off of Adidas ads? The other day, a car followed me for like two blocks and then turned. I'm sure it was them. <laughs> Why would they be behind me for two blocks? You sound like a... Gang stalker, gang stalking. True. Oh, well, great. We're going to get hate from them again. Was Travolta driving the car? <laughs> Talking about Royale and cheese. <laughs> I don't get that. I don't know what that joke is. Is that a Game of Thrones joke, Dave? Do you really not get it? No. From Pulp Fiction, Royale with cheese. Oh, I've only seen it that one time. 
I got hammered with you drinking whiskey watching it. Jesus, man. Come on. All right. I watch a lot of movies. John Travolta in Game yeah, of Thrones. Right. <laughs> Probably wasn't he. I'm going to be the king. Wasn't he like Braxton? <laughs> he played Braxton, right? I'm getting on the Iron Throne. <laughs> Sissy, I'm going to kill him. You telling me they couldn't have booked that? I've been watching. Ratings would have went up. Up your nose with a rubber dragon. Oh. <laughs> That's enough Game of Thrones talk on board. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about before, though? Best holiday movie, Die Hard. Are you going to watch it this year? No. No, because I'm a lethal weapon guy, and there's a line in the sand, and you're on one side or the other. I refuse to cross that line. Also, fuck Bruce Willis. Can't stand him. I don't understand that. We're either. just not a pro Bruce Willis podcast, officially. I mean, uh, I don't think that's true. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> eh, I have feelings. It's all right. Anyways, oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. You mentioned gang stalking before. Is that still the most heat we ever got over one episode? It wasn't a ton, but wasn't that the most heat we've got? Probably. From over a single subject. People got pissed on our, it was on YouTube, wasn't it? Yeah. Isn't that where all, mm-hmm. which is just a toxic place anyways, but. Was there flat earth uh, blowback or no? I guess not, mm-hmm. huh? No, but what's funny is when we posted the flat earth, um, like some of their uh, propaganda stuff actual flat earth like sites were like retweeting and liking our posts oh, that's so right. those are some of the most liked ones that we have even though our entire show was just mocking them gotta, gotta listen before you retweet maybe yeah that one person on twitter like started calling us out because they thought we were promoting it and i was like did you listen to the episode we're very much globa globus <laughs> what is that globe cocks globe cock yeah. yeah we're globe cocks globe tard also or did that, I edit that out last time? No, I think we kept <laughs> that in. Yeah, that's because that's what they called them. Yep. So we got something uh, interesting today. This one is uh, it's it's wild. Yeah, it's it's crazy. A little um, bit of everything in this one. Yeah, and I think it's the standard thing we say with uh, with these type of episodes that statistically people with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder stuff like that are not violent people but man when when it gets violent it goes off the fucking rails this dude is like uh next level yeah but like richard chase but like amped up yeah it's good stuff no really it's not good stuff (laughs) it's insanity though yeah for the record this is not good stuff we want that to be clear this story is terrible joseph callinger was born joseph lee brenner the third at Northern Liberties Hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to Joseph Lee Brenner Jr. and his wife Judith. But this is debated on if uh, if these are his real biological parents or not. It's not completely clear. In December of 1937, Joseph was placed in foster care, and on October 15, 1939, he was ado- he was adopted by Austrian immigrants Stephen and Anna Callinger. Stephen and Anna had been married for 12 years and decided to adopt a child after they had both turned 40 years old. But this was not for loving reasons. One, Stephen was sterile. And two, they owned a semi-successful shoe store and there would be no one there to take over the family business. Maybe just sell it and go to Florida. Yeah, I mean, I guess back in the day people wanted to hand it down. I don't know. Why do that when you can ruin someone's life, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Let's adopt this kid and fuck him up instead. 
from the age of being able to understand things, it was made completely clear that Joseph was there for only one reason, to make shoes. That was it. You will make my shoes. (laughs) When a local parent asked Anna why she wouldn't let Joseph play with the other kids, she said, quote, He is not here to play. He is here to work and to pay us back. That's probably exactly how they sounded, too. That was actual audio, Dave. (laughs) We played actual audio. It's not the greatest accent in the world. It's a bit of a harsh language. Anytime that Joseph disappointed them in any way, he would be told if he did it again, they would send him back to the orphanage. If that didn't work, then he would be beaten. And we're not talking like back in the day, just getting getting smacked on your ass or something. Like he would be brutally beaten with wooden spoons, a homemade uh, calf nine tails, just really... Uh, they would beat the shit out of him. What is, what is that? What did you just say? A homemade what? Cat of nine tails. What is that? Like a whip with the different like nine things hanging off of it. Pieces of leather usually, right? Yeah. Oh. Like what my dominatrix hits me with. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She just never told you what it was called. No. Uh, you don't ask questions. You just take it. <laughs> <clears throat> Plus, you can't talk with a ball gag in your mouth. True. True. Yeah. Do you have a safe sign language word that you use? It's usually about the time my balls tuck themselves up into my stomach and hide for their lives. That it's time to call it quits, pay my tab, and get on out of there. That's not... Okay. So Joseph got in trouble like any normal little boy would, but there are three specific incidents that would go on to shape things for the rest of his life, which is it's, it's a pretty... Uh, like profound thing is like there are three things that would just that just completely fucked this kid's life up forever at five years old when joseph came home and asked what the word fuck meant not saying it just asking what it meant because he had heard someone else say it he was told he was a dirty little boy and had the shit beat out of him and i mean you're in philly in the 40s or you know you're gonna hear someone say fuck yeah like you know a hundred times an hour (laughs) are you saying they're an angry people I'm just saying, if you grow up in the city, I mean, if you're old enough to ask what it means and you're old enough to be told what it means. Yeah, and I'd get your ass beat. Yeah. I hate hearing these stories of just crushing little kids' spirits like that. It's the saddest thing. A couple months later, Joseph got in trouble for pulling a girl's pants down. And again, he was told he was a dirty little boy and beaten. The third incident, still at five years old, Joseph had gotten beat up by a bully at school that happened to be a girl. When he was taken to the doctor, it was discovered that he had a hernia and needed surgery. Since the calendars assumed that he had got beaten up for being inappropriate with this girl, when he got home from surgery, they had told him that on top of the hernia, the doctor had fixed another problem he had. What was this other problem you speak of, Ian? Well, they told him that there was a demon living inside of his penis causing him to be (laughs) bad and that the doctor had taken it out which would make sure that he was never bad again or would never get an erection. I mean, it's partially (laughs) true. You may have a demon in your penis, but it's still in there, son. (laughs) It's a pretty heavy thing to put on a five-year-old kid. I can't even imagine. That's just... And and to drill it into into his head over over time. You demon penis boy. (laughs) Is that considered an exorcism? I mean, getting the demon out? I, I guess... It's a quasi uh, exorcism. Do they have a priest present, I wonder? If there was little boy penises, of course there was probably a priest present. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. That one's no good. 
I mean, I would think it, was, it would be safe to say the doctor did not know that they were going to take him home and tell him he had a demon in his penis. So. That's true. <laughs> I just have a lot of questions about this one. The beatings didn't stop for Joseph because, like any normal child, he was still going to get in trouble. One in particular that, that stuck out to me that is, is just terrible. Joseph had his hands put on a hot stove for stealing a roll of quarters to pay other kids to go to the movies with him because he was just that lonely. It's awful. That is the saddest Jesus. thing I think we've ever, the saddest sentence ever read on the yeah. show. As a result of this stuff, he had been using a, a, an empty metal tank as like the sort of sanctuary to get away from his adoptive parents. But this also turned into something extremely negative when he was raped at knife point by a group of three boys. Kind of weird. That seemed to happen a lot back in the day. Yeah. Like Charles Manson had been raped by other boys. Hmm. I think Carl Panzerim was raped by other boys. Just seemed kind of like something that was happening back in the 40s, 30s, 40s. Just a rapey era. I, I guess it was... Uh, I never heard that. That's interesting. Yeah. Charles Manson has some very a- interesting quotes about him getting it done to him and him doing it to other people to get him back. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's pretty wild, yeah. So, predictably, when Joseph started to have sexual urges at 12, he linked violence with sex. He found that he couldn't get an erection or have an orgasm unless he was holding a knife. I need some blue chew, Mike. Well, if only they'd fucking get on board. I'm a little pissed at them right now. <laughs> he said specifically his left hand. He had to hold the knife in his left hand to get it to work. And keep in mind, he fully believed that a demon was living inside of his penis that would stop him from getting erection. So when he got an erection from have just normal sexual thoughts mixed with violence to him it was like oh that's the uh that's the demon coming back that's the demon working and then soon after this schizophrenia kicked in for joseph so it's just like a perfect uh perfect storm yeah sure this is the penis demon joey what are you doing (laughs) with that thing pull our pants down joey just picturing a little face on the, the right. tip of his cock, right. talking to him, cussing him out. <laughs> I'm Peppy the Penis, Joey. Peppy. Put me in something. <laughs> Do we know the demon have a name? Uh, no. Just Mm-mm. demon, huh? He morphs over time. Throughout this story, he goes from, we'll see, he goes from God to mm, all yeah. different kinds of things start happening. Auditory hallucinations happened first for Joseph. Now that demon that was supposedly removed from him was speaking to him. With the encouragement of this demon, Joseph had started to rape other boys in the neighborhood at knife point the same way that it had been done to him. That didn't take long. No. By the age of 15, Joseph had become completely isolated, but somehow he managed to get a girlfriend named Hilda Bishop. Things started to look up a bit for Joseph, he had a girlfriend. He got himself a work permit, so his adoptive parents would have to pay him to work in the shoe store. They charged him to live in their house, still, but he was still getting paid. Nice, Mom. Like we said back in our Richard Chase episode, schizophrenia would cause Richard Chase to have these like uncontrollable fits of wiggling around like a snake. Remember we talked about... uh when he lived with those two girls for a minute in his apartment and he, they would be having a party and he would just be like rolling around on the ground naked. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where the worm came from? Maybe that, he was just sure. trying to do the worm dancing. This is exactly what it started to happen to Joseph. 
Then Joseph would start laughing for no reason and couldn't stop it. It was like a tick. It's like me on that bonus show the other day. You were out of control on that one. Laughing at your own <laughs> joke, no less. <laughs> like a uh, like a real deep, like guttural evil kind of laugh, and he hmm. just couldn't stop it. Like he would cover his mouth and stuff. Like he wasn't. He didn't think anything was funny. He did. It was just like a tick. Hmm. His adoptive parents noticed this behavior, but. Uh, because Joseph couldn't control it, but instead of trying to get him any help, they just put a padlock on their bedroom door and started sleeping with a baseball bat. It's great. Parenting 101. <laughs> That's what I do. This stuff didn't stop Joseph from working in the shoe store making shoes, so they figured as long as he can still make shoes, who gives a shit? He was a capable cobbler, right? Mm, yep. Fuck him. Just let him make shoes. That's what he was brought there to do. Yeah. Serving his purpose. Literally, that is. That's the only reason he was adopted. Did they tell him that the whole time? Probably. Yeah, from the age that he could understand, he was told, you are here to make shoes, and that is it. It's like the same thing they tell the kids making all those Yeezys. Probably not far off. (laughs) Except they're not making as much as uh, Joey was in the 40s. Mm -mm. (laughs) Right. He was able to pay rent. Shit. He had it made. It wouldn't be long after the text that Joseph would have his first full-blown visual and auditory hallucination. One day while he was working at the shoe store, a bright light appeared before him, and in the middle of this bright light was a figure that Joseph believed to be God, and God told him, Joseph Callinger, you are a special person, and you must undertake a special mission. Already through your orthopedic work, you are easing pain in the feet. The feet are also the key to the brain. Your mission is to control the brain through the feet. This is what I, God of the universe, command you to do. You will use this method to heal yourself and heal mankind. You must heal and save. <laughs> heal. <laughs> That's all God had to say, huh? Yep. All right. Heal it through, uh, through orthopedics. It's a direct quote. At this point, his parents were terrified of him, and much like Richard Chase's parents, instead of helping him, they just sent him out to live on his own. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Callengers. Yeah. Bye. In 1953, Joseph married Hilda, and started off. And this started off as the best thing that ever happened to Joseph. Um, he got a job at another shoe store, as long as he promised to never open up his own to compete with his adopted father's. Had a non-compete on file was dead. Yeah. <laughs> In 1955, they had a daughter, and for whatever reason, they named uh, they named her after his adoptive mother, Anna. And this is where stuff starts to go downhill for Joseph. Oh, now it gets bad for him. Well, <laughs> he gets these little glimpses of the of, demon in his cock, and the the sweatshop working, <laughs> and the the verbal and physical abuse. Now it gets bad. He gets these little glimmers of uh, normalcy for a minute, and then it derails. You want to feel bad for him right now, and then you know how terrible shit gets, but that's mm-hmm. a sad story right now. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll, we'll get into it at the end, but I, I think that there was no hope from him from the beginning. Yeah, Peppy the penis was uh, <laughs> making him do stuff. It's not his fault. <laughs> that's what we're going with. We're going with Peppy yeah. the penis. New <laughs> shirt coming Peppy to Amazon. New shirt coming to Necronomapod on Amazon. Peppy the penis. <laughs> I'm it's sure they'll approve that. Just a red, <laughs> just a red cockhead. <laughs> What's with you in the red cock? <laughs> it's a demon. This guy with the dog dick talking. It's a demon. <laughs> Guy's in love with dog dick. No, I didn't say anything about dog dick. 
I'm do- Peppy the penis. Uh, yes. The demon dick. So would he not be red? He's a demon dick. What color is he to you? I think he's a normal color, not red. <laughs> do you think he glows red when the demon comes out? Yeah. And when it's throbbing. Peppy's here. <laughs> exactly. Now he's got the smoker's voice. <laughs> <laughs> So almost as soon as their daughter was born, Joseph and Hilda started fighting constantly. They had another child, a son that they named after his adoptive father, Stephen, but that only made the situation worse. Oh, that didn't fix everything. <laughs> throw another, another kid. <laughs> throw another kid in the situation. <laughs> How is this not helping things? <laughs> Damn it. What are we missing? Let's try for a third. Third time's a charm. Hilda was not not a great a great mom. She would leave the kids hungry and in dirty diapers all day long. And from some accounts, Joseph was abusive, too. And I could see that being completely, uh, completely accurate. You know, you're in a shitty situation when Joseph, the dad, is the better parent of the two. Not yeah. great. Yeah. You were born to some born to some shitty uh, folks. Yeah. So Hilda left Joseph and their kids in 1956 for a man named Hans Ebler. And just lived out of this guy's car with him. He didn't. So have you're a so shitty. Your wife leaves you to be a homeless living in a car. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's an ego uh, booster, huh? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it was just they just parked it and just lived out of the car, like in front want- in front of his house. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, we could park here between the hours of six a.m. and two a.m. He must have had a really red cock. <laughs> Who did the Hans? Yeah, guy? clearly. Okay. <laughs> Now you guys got me on this red cock gimmick. You so. got yourself on the red cock. I a did long not. Time ago. I did not. So Joseph filed for divorce, got custody of the kids, and on weekends he would take them to see his mother via train. Which I don't know. I couldn't figure out if she was living in a house at that time, or if he was taking the train out to just their parked car <laughs> in the parking lot somewhere, or what the train station, <laughs> or what that situation was. Also, they're in the car. Could they not just go to see them? Also, a good point. Drive your car. <laughs> drive your car home over here. It's probably just on hubcaps or on uh, jack stands or something. At that point, yeah. uh, I'm one more, of the more questions and answers in this one. Yeah, <laughs> like regarding what the fuck's this going whole... on with this house car. <laughs> house car. And what color was this guy's cock? I mean, that's what we all want to know. <laughs> I think that's what you want to know. All right, I'm done with the cock. That's what she said. <laughs> On one of those train rides, Joseph met Betty Baumgard, who would marry, who he would get married to, and and uh, and stay with until he went to prison years later. Uh, spoiler. Well, yeah, I thought uh, he got away with it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> as far as Betty knew, Joseph was just a normal guy going through a hard time, and there were some things that she didn't know for years and years. For example. Joseph had never gotten over that whole knife, holding a knife thing while he was having sex. So he hit a small knife next to their bed and would just like reach down and, and hold it. Mike holds a stuffed squirrel inside of his bed. It reminds him of college. It's flying squirrel days. There was no actual squirrels used in the uh, flying squirrel actions. Well, it's metaphorical. Okay. All right. Can you imagine though? you're going at it and you have to go reach on the side of the bed and just hold on to something. And all of it's just worthless until you grab that like knife. And then you're like, Oh, now we're there. Well, that, that's, and boom goes the dynamite. 
this is what I mean. It's all. It's already. It's already fucked him up for life because. Oh yeah. It's he's this demon is you know controlling him. Yeah. The good part is he's not hurting anyone though. He's just holding the knife. So far. Wow. <laughs> hmm. Way to shit on the story. When Joseph was 22, right after he married uh, Betty, he had his second major schizophrenic hallucination. A figure with a black robe wearing a witch hat appeared to him while he was working at a shoe store. The figure pointed to an empty table next to Joseph and told him to watch carefully. A memory of Joseph raking leaves with his adoptive parents appeared on the table like it was playing on a movie screen. And in this memory, his adoptive father lit leaves on fire to burn them. When this memory was over, the figure in black told Joseph, Go home at lunchtime and set fire to your house. When it was lunchtime, Joseph went home. And again, the black figure appeared and this time flames shot out of its mouth. So Joseph went to the shed connected to his house, lit a match and threw it in a can of paint thinner. The whole time Joseph had an erection, which in his mind meant that he was following the directions properly since he was still connecting this this whole demon living in his penis to the hallucination and what they were telling him to do. So it's like, hey, you told me to go home and set my house on fire. I'm hard right now, so I'm doing it right. This is I'm on the right track. <laughs> Picture McLovin, I got a boner. <laughs> so he's completely... You know, bypassing the kind of self-preservation instinct because where are you going to live if you burn down your own house? Yeah, I mean, right? he, he was all about he's it. He's in the moment. Yeah. He's kind of like Peter Curtin where he was uh, always hard all the time. And he saw the blood and he would finish in his pants. Yeah. yeah well, that right. guy? Yeah. Available in the archives, Peter Curtin. When Flora Schreiber was interviewing him later on when he was talking about this whole incident and like the power he felt from from burning down his all like destroying his own shit he'd came in his pants talking about it oh man it's wild yeah. peter Curtin was the one didn't he get off once he killed the geese or the ducks and it was like just hearing their blood hit the ground out. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or was that am i mixing up two stories uh, no, didn't he it. attack a person too and when he heard the blood hit the ground it made yeah. him come yeah, yeah. The, the geese was when he, he was just walking through the park and he cut its head off and then just started drinking the blood from its neck. I think we had to edit that one heavily because I played the uh, <coughs> sound like after every murder and it was too insensitive. We had to go back and edit that out. Yeah. <coughs> Maybe someday when we have like a, a $50 Patreon level, we'll release all of the edits. All of our ridiculous yeah. Maybe we'll release the infamous Children of God part one that Ooh, we did. I don't know about that. $50 patrons, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. And we can also put the uh, Everything's Ian, for sale. Ian and Mike uh, Roswell. Yeah. It's just the drizzling shit. <laughs> we should be paying them 50 bucks. I have to listen to that. So the house was destroyed, but they moved to a new one, and it was blamed on an accident. Soon after this, Betty and Joseph had their first of five children, a daughter named Mary Jo. Wait, so we had five with her and two with the other, so seven total? Yeah. Whew. Four months later, Joseph had another episode where he blacked out and ended up in Hazleton, PA, about 75 miles away from Philadelphia, and had no idea how he got there. When he was found, he was hospitalized for nine days, but nothing was done, so he decided to, quote, correct himself through orthopedic experiments. He had been told already. God told him. Heal the feet and the brain, or the brain and the feet. Yep. Joseph was fully convinced that all of his problems 
and then and the problems of the entire world could be fixed by placing a wedge in the heel of his shoe that would adjust the slant of his foot to harmonize with the brain. So what is this is there's no answer to this, but so he thinks that God is talking to him to heal and fix the world. Right. And the demon cock is telling him to hurt people. They just told him to burn down his own house. And and yeah, right. So so he thinks he's hearing the devil and God both talking to him and pulling him in different directions. On yeah, I, kind of it's, spiritual warfare. Yeah, and I mean the God hallucination. It's pretty common for schizophrenic. It's pretty I mean, it's common just interesting. to have. He's like getting this. both. Then, like he's got good and evil telling him to do different things. The good is kind of weird. I mean, it's not fully. You know, it's better than being told to burn down your house. Right. I mean, so it's just he's got good and evil kind of that it's almost like he's battling with that. And to be fair, I mean, there's nothing like a comfy pair of shoes, so maybe it will solve the world's well, problems. What are those Dr. Souls? Is that what they yeah. are? Those little gel little things? Cushion, gel cushions and stuff? Wow. You're the one with the wide feet. You tell us. <laughs> you got all these custom-made shoes over here. <laughs> Poor guy can't wear Yeezys. Does he even know life, Ian? He can't wear Yeezys? <laughs> Dave, I'll buy you a $3,000 sweatsuit. We'll make oh, thanks, up for man. it. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's all gray and probably it comes with like mustard stains on it. <laughs> Joseph's obsessions also started to become like hoarder-like. He installed a 12-foot bowling alley right in the middle of his bedroom, <laughs> which is ridiculous. <laughs> he got like obsessed with bowling and would like be practicing it all the time. I love bowling. I'm a big fan of bowling. Could you imagine that though? Putting a bowling alley in your bedroom. It's like that'd be quite loud and disturbing when you. you I know. just picture his wife Betty trying to sleep, and he's just whipping bowling balls down. <laughs> <laughs> Strike! Hell yeah! <laughs> it's so ridiculous. He also would just go out and find random junk machinery and bring it home. And he thought these were like projects that he was going to like fix up stuff, but he would just leave it, like just throw this shit in the middle of the living room and that would be that. Starts all piling up. Yeah. Um, as his sons, Joey, Michael, and Jimmy were born, Joseph's hallucinations continued to get worse, specifically ones about fire. A voice that Joseph believed that was the devil would now just over and over again tell him all day long, set fire to your house, set fire to your house, just non-stop so he did all in four times altogether. the first three fires didn't do much damage but the fourth one when he was 30 years old finally worked and he burned the house to the ground he was charged with arson but never did any jail time and with nowhere to go he permanently moved back into his childhood home and took over his adoptive father's shoe business yeah, insurance companies generally don't like to pay out when you burn your own house down. So. <laughs> I don't think you got a very large settlement there. Right. There's a there's a good YouTube video that a doctor made um, that's supposed to mimic auditory hallucinations of schizophrenia. It's it's really it's it's scary. And I think we've talked we've, about we've this. We've played that yeah. before. We've released that on our Twitter. Did we post the it to Twitter? To it, it was um one of the episodes we did. Probably Richard Chase or something. We'll repost it, maybe. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it up again. But if you listen to that and then just picture it just saying, set fire to your house, set fire to your house over and over again. The I mean, eventually you're going to do it. I, you know, I would assume. I mean, it's terrifying. You're not if you're not medicated. And yeah, the one we posted was just voice after voice. Like you couldn't you could make one out if you paid real close attention to it. But I couldn't imagine like you hear that 
not having like headphones in listening to a video right and you're hearing this all day or sporadically you know whenever it's really terrifying but yeah we'll have to um we'll repost that then joseph kept making these wedges for his experience but each one needed a test walk so he would take these long walks at night to test them out but he would get lonely so he would start waking up his kids in the middle of the night to take them with him to make it fun for the kids he would turn these walks into garbage what he called garbage hunts where they would just find random shit and take it home which i mean i get i mean i don't know you're hanging out with dad it's fun right yeah. sounds safe go find some shit climb in that trash can get out whatever you want <laughs> we'll bring it home <laughs> at this time joseph would start to get extremely paranoid that someone was going to break into his house to kidnap his kids or steal his experimental shoe ideas so he covered all the windows with locked steel gates and some of them were even bolted with flat steel plates and then cemented over like a scientology trailer <laughs> locking everyone in there <laughs> so his family is just uh they're they're trapped in this fucking thing that he's just completely walled off joseph then started having paranoid delusions about his neighbors he started to believe that the building next door, which was across the street, was the offices of State Representative Harry Comer, was actually a CIA outpost that was there to spy on him. This Harry Comer guy had known Joseph since Joseph was a baby, and was even a character witness for him when he was in trouble for burning down his own house. Joey? No, he would never <laughs> burn down his own house. I, I mean, what is the, swell what's the character witness? Yeah. For, I don't know. I mean, Peppy the Penis might burn down his own house, (laughs) not Joey, though. Wasn't Peppy the Penis at one point? No, that was the other guy. That was the the demon voice was shooting fire out of his mouth, right? That was the black figure that told him to burn down his house. That guy might burn down his own house. Yeah. So in retaliation to this, him thinking that the CIA was, was spying on him, Joseph would start throwing ball bearings from his windows across the street and bust out Harry Comer's windows out of his building. After every time Joseph did it, the next day he would go over and help Harry fix the windows. But then the next night he would be right out. He would be out there right again, just throwing these ball bearings <laughs> through his windows all over again. Harry, what happened? <laughs> this is just terrible, man. We got to do something about this community. We're going to stop this. These damn kids. Maybe it was really a CIA like MK Ultra safe house. Sounds like something that they could have put together with this guy. Bonus episode. How about that? Bonus episode. I'm not sure of just busting the windows I was going to accomplish. <laughs> so, I mean, after multiple times, I mean, this went on for a while that he was just nightly busting out this guy's windows. Harry finally got just like basically bulletproof glass put in. And this kind of like, it, it like stumped Joseph. He was kind of like, oh, fuck. Like, what am I going to do now? Like, there's other things. Like, he could What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> like, he could have thankfully he didn't do anything violent or anything worse like burning but, the office down <laughs> yeah. but th- there were other things that he could have done but now that the windows now that he couldn't break the windows anymore he was like oh fuck so he covered all the windows in his shoemaking area with dark thick screens that cut off the light but it also cut off all the airflow so now this guy that's extremely sick from schizophrenia and having these full-blown hallucinations is also breathing in toxic chemicals all day long. So that's just adding to this whole thing. So not long after he walled off his work area, Joseph started what he called the hole. 
1969, he bought a house to use as a warehouse, a personal retreat from life, and a pathway to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) On the command of the voice that he called the devil, Joseph forced his five children to help him rip up the floorboards on the living room of this house and dig a 20-foot hole into the ground. When the hole was finally done, he wouldn't let his kids back in the house again. He would climb down to the bottom of this hole with a candle and stick it in the side of the dirt. And this was like his safe space where he said that he could actually think, like things were clear for him down there. When he would get down there, he would either masturbate or defecate or both in this real weird ritual to think clearer. So just (laughs) so he's in a deep hole with a candle sticking out of the dirt wall, right in the middle of the house, shitting and and jerking off down there. So it's like a half blumpkin, then he's giving himself a blumpkin, something Mm -hmm. if he's doing them both. It's a blumpkin without the blowjob, a lumpkin. (laughs) It's a lumpkin. Shout out to Olivia (laughs) Wilde, friend of the show, allegedly a friend of the show, or a potential friend of the show. We're working on it. Then one night in the hole, it stopped being a safe space for Joseph, and he started hearing voices again. He started hearing this voice going on and on, like it was it was almost speaking in tongues, like it was just completely... <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's my interpretive speaking in tongues. He couldn't figure out where this voice was coming from, and it was because there was no visual hallucination to go along with it. And it was just going on and on. Then he placed his hand on his throat and could feel the vibration that the voice was actually coming from him. Mm. That's fucking crazy. Weird. The call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) That's super scary, though. Yeah, dude. To be sitting there and you're like, where is this voice coming from? You're thinking it and it's coming from you the whole time. I can't even imagine what it's like to... It must just be terrifying 24 hours a day. Yeah. His experiments for shoes kept getting more and more bizarre as well. Um, This is an excerpt from the book, The Shoemaker, of an interview with Flora Schreiber with Joseph concerning an experiment on hamsters. Joseph, in what way did you take this experiment seriously? Well, I had already done over 40,000 experiments, mostly on myself, some on my wife and kids. I even talked the mailman into allowing me to put wedges into his shoes so I did a few on him, but I had never done experiments on animals before. What were you going to do with them? I was going to make little shoes for their feet and little wedges to put into the shoes. I figured I'd get a lot of information that way. I wanted an experiment on the hamster's feet and their brains. Now, if they listened to me and did what I told them, then I would have known that the wedges and little shoes I gave them were doing good, giving them greater durability and endurance. They would be obedient to me. I'd be their master. When I got them home, I saw there was no way I could make shoes or wedges for my hamsters. Their feet were too tiny. Wait, so you had to make a visual determination that, <laughs> that hamster feet were tiny, too tiny to make shoes on? Clearly. That's Sorry, let's, going let's go back to the interview. He needed to try it first to make sure. <laughs> but I knew I could go on with the second part of the experiment, the connection between obedience and intelligence, even without the shoes. To make sure I didn't get the hamsters mixed up, I put a name tag on their right rear leg of each one. I called them Winkle, Popsicle, Jelly Roll, and Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) Then I put them into a large cage with a small wheel in it. I knew the best way to test their intelligence and durability was on the wheel. If they had intelligence, they would listen to me. If they had durability, 
they would listen and survive. To obey is one test of intelligence. To survive is another, right? Joseph, how in the world did you expect the hamsters to listen to you when they don't speak any human language? (laughs) I spoke to them in English like how I'm talking to you. (laughs) I pulled up a chair right next to the cage and I sat down. I told the hamsters everything I was going to do. It was very important to the future of mankind. I said that they obeyed me. I told them that their feet were too small for me to make shoes and wedges, but I promised to make them little hats and suits. Do <laughs> <laughs> you imagine this scene? This guy just sitting here explaining this, this to the these This is the best hamsters. part of the story right here. <laughs> and he's so probably passionate about oh, this. Oh, yeah. He's probably telling them, <laughs> like, like, straight I'm up. I'm sorry I can't make you shoes and wedges, but I promise I'll make you hats and suits. <laughs> But I promised to make them hats and suits, even though I'm not a tailor. If they listened and survived, Flora, they understood every word I said. What did the hamsters answer you? Nothing. That was my second disappointment with them. First, I found I couldn't make wedges for their feet. Then I couldn't get them interested in my experiment. They didn't even perk up their ears when I told them about the hats and the suits. (laughs) But I knew they understood me. They played Foxy to throw me off my guard. They didn't listen. They didn't seem to want to get it. While I talked, they ignored me. <laughs> I tell you what, those hamsters would look pretty fucking sharp in those little tailored suits. <laughs> I picture them doing like a, hello, my lady, hello, my darling, hello, my little time gal. I like the random names he picked. Yeah. Humpty Dumpty. Jelly Roll. <laughs> She's like, well, how did you expect them to understand you? Look, lady, I'm talking to them in English like I'm talking to you. What the fuck do you think? They're, they're going to understand me. Not speaking like, Chinese. I feel like he's getting like offended that she's asking these right. questions. Mm-hmm. Like, who, what the fuck? Yeah, I like that. Toots. I like the line about uh, when she's like, "What did they answer you?" And he's like, "Nothing." That was my second disappointment <laughs> with them. <laughs> First, I thought I couldn't make little tiny ass shoes. <laughs> now they're not responding to me. They didn't even perk up when I told them about the suits and the hats. Yeah, they're, they're getting free suits for Christ's sake. <laughs> Do they not understand this? <laughs> free i'm not gonna charge them later (laughs) the material's so cheap (laughs) so in response to being ignored joseph forced the hamsters to run on the wheel and would poke them with a pencil for hours until they died from exhaustion oh jeez it's an important detail for two parts one because god's gonna bring the hamsters up to him later on in this episode and two, this is the first time that Joseph had ever killed another living thing, and this would set him on track for uh, to commit murder. Milestone, all right. Yep. Sometime while in the hole, while he was doing his thinking ritual. Lumpkining. Yeah. <laughs> he got the idea that it was time to start punishing his children the way that he had been punished. Because things with his kids and the way that they were raised... They were just absolute terrors to deal with. They would just be committing legit crimes from a very young age. Like they were just kind of left to fend for themselves. And we'll see later on how Joseph would just take them out to instruct them to commit crimes themselves. But Mm. yeah, I mean, they would be like snatching purses and all kind of shit. So Joseph set up his basement as like just a straight up torture dungeon to punish his kids. As physically punishing his kids got worse, the hallucin the hallucination started to change as well. The same God figure that appeared when he was 15 showed back up and told him, Joseph, I control you now. And from this point forward, Joseph felt that he had no choice but to listen to what this hallucination told him to do. He was able to resist the others, like 
like the devil one sometimes because he would get this these things constantly telling him stuff to do and he would be able to resist some of them be like that's the that's the devil telling me to do something I, i'm not doing it but now this was god talking to him so he felt that he had to listen look when god speaks to you what you're gonna do right i guess when god straight up tells you i control you now yeah can't ignore god i, I don't disagree see <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> I've seen miracles happen on Ernest Angley. Happens all the time. He makes people's uh he can people can hear again. He makes their back pain go away. Yeah. It's on every night on like, you know, the local channel on channel like fifty five. Does he still uh I believe he, is he still on TV? I think he is, actually. It's kind of amazing that the hospitals never hired him to do work, you know, in the ER in the oncology department or something. <laughs> hospitals didn't have it's enough weird. faith for him. <laughs> and his his 18 inch ears and his 90 some year old ass and his red cock you said that one not me i was over it this portion of the episode is brought to you by blue chew an unpaid sponsor of necronomapod can even get 100 year old Ernest Langley hard they could probably i'm sure they could they probably could well maybe not we're gonna get a cease and desist from uh, from blue chew here <laughs> We're giving them exposure, free exposure. That's what they want. <laughs> With the abuse getting worse, Mary Jo and Joey ran away from home to escape Joseph. They had been gone for two days before Joseph went out to look for them. He grabbed his 44, got a taxi to drive him around until he found them. When he saw them coming out of a movie theater, he just straight up pointed the gun in both their faces and told them to get in the car. When he got home, he told his wife to take the other kids out for pizza. Hmm. Who else do we know that used to 44, Mike? We just, uh, son of Sam. Nice. Boom. Good bring job. On, bring on the next trivia. I'm ready. <laughs> Smoke some motherfuckers. Send me your t-shirts. <laughs> when they left, he handcuffed Joey to the refrigerator and dropped a butcher knife on the floor next to him, just out of reach, and it was pretty much just to scare him. Then he took a spatula from the kitchen and a rope, forced Mary Jo to strip, and then tied her up. After that, he put the spatula on the stove. For He left it there until it got super hot, and then he burned Mary Jo on the inside of her thigh. Yikes. He then pulled off the head of a hammer and beat Joey with the wooden handle, and then Joseph went to the basement and, quote, corrected himself with orthopedic experiments. <laughs> 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 yeah, your fucking feet hurt from beating your kids for a couple hours. Yeah. You're on your feet all day. Are you tired from beating your kids? Come on down to Joseph's foot shack. All kinds of orthopedic experiments to make you light and comfortable on your feet. Well, I, I forgot to include it, but there's like there's witness testimony of someone that knew Joseph when he was a kid that his that his adoptive mother Anna hit him in the head four times with a straight up ham like the hard end of a hammer like the metal end so when he did this to joey it was he was like uh i'm not doing it as bad as i got it kind of thing yeah. so be thankful kind of mm. but then he you know, like i said he felt bad about what he did so he went down and tried to fix himself with uh with his orthopedic experiments <laughs> and after he was done his wife called and he told her to come back and they all sat down and ate pizza yeah, that's nice then. All's all, all, yeah. all's well. Stroking out over well. there. I don't mean the good kind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder what kind of pizza they got. Now I'm hungry. Uh -huh. For the record, 
Are you guys Hawaiian pizza fans? We've never discussed this. No. No. Awesome. We're on the same page. We're a united front. <laughs> if you put fucking pineapple on your pizza, you're savage. I don't think I want you listening to Necronomapod. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's a I, bold call. I'm I, not going to go that far. I want to have words with you. If you put pineapple on your pizza, mm. it's disgusting. I had it one time and I threw up. I threw up. It was so bad. You literally threw up. I honest to God threw up. The I was pineapple exited your stomach and came back up because it was so bad. But I threw it up. It was disgusting. It was you sure disgusting. you didn't have like a stomach bug or something? Can't prove it, but all I know is I had pineapple <laughs> pizza one time and I threw up that one time. It's disgusting. Pineapple or ham and pineapple? I think it was like a Hawaiian, like yeah. a ham and pineapple. But the pineapple is what got me. You know who likes pineapple on their pizza? Mm. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You know whose ass I'm going to kick? Dwayne The Rock Johnson's. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Fucking shove a pineapple up your ass. <laughs> People's pineapple. Favorite pizza topping. You get one. Go. Uh, pepperoni. Sausage. I'm a pepperoni, I think, too. If I had to pick one, yeah. I thought you were going to say mushroom. I like mushroom, Dave. I do like sausage and mushroom. Yeah. I like, I, I'm just a straight pepperoni guy. Yeah. I can do a Supreme. Like, I like Supreme. I can do a meat lover sometimes. Anyways, it's acceptable. Okay. It's no fucking pineapple. Just, yeah, get the fucking fruit out of here. I don't have time for that. I'll, I do like a good, uh, and it, it's it's a spinoff, but like a buffalo chicken pizza, it's real good. Eh. It's real good. Yeah. I, yeah have I you like had that. buffalo chicken pizza? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. East of Chicago's is amazing. That's pretty good. I've had it at your house. That's yeah. pretty good. All right. Sorry. <laughs> you got me on a pizza <laughs> kick. So this whole uh, this whole incident with the spatula could have been a lot worse because Joseph didn't follow God's orders or God's true orders. God had told Joseph to put the burning spatula into his daughter's vagina. What kind of God is this? Yeah, God's God's talking some crazy shit right now. Hashtag <laughs> not my God. <laughs> About a week after this incident, Mary Jo, Joey, and Michael went to the police to report what had happened, and Joseph was arrested for child abuse. After this, Joseph's children became a part of his delusions. To Joseph, they turned into what he called the three total gods who ran his life. And he was really afraid of some of them and then had a lot of respect for others. It's a very bizarre dynamic happening in his head right now. Joseph received a suspended sentence for beating Joey and was put on four-year psychiatric probation for burning Mary Jo. He was regularly required to see a psychiatrist, but just after a five-minute meeting with the doctor, they decided nothing was wrong with him, and that was the end of it. Who's this, Ed Kemper's doctor? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, he's fine. Get him out of here. (laughs) And since Joseph spent time in jail, his business got a bad name and sales went down. So in order to get money flowing back into the household, Joseph convinced his children to completely recant what they had told the police, and his kids didn't do this out of fear. They just thought it was fun to lie to the police. (laughs) For the thrill of fucking telling the cops to fuck off. It is pretty sweet to lie to the cops, though. (laughs) They're like, wait, we get to lie to the cops? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, let's go do this. (laughs) Yeah. Because like we said, he he just raised this straight up fucking pack of heathens with these kids. It's also really sad. You know, we we just touched on it a paragraph ago, but he he finally gets to meet uh, a psychiatrist. Yeah, the one thing he's probably needed his whole life. Five minutes. Oh, you're fine. Get out of yeah, here. Right. That yeah. that could have changed this whole story. Yeah. Yeah. It really could have. I mean, we wouldn't be doing the show if they would have fixed that. 
if they would have kept him on that probation and actually done something. Yeah, got him some help that he might have needed, some counseling, some medication, whatever. Yeah, yeah. some medication. At this time, the commands from God also changed for Joseph. He was now told to destroy the world that he had failed to save through orthopedics. Specifically, he was to murder every single person on the planet by destroying their sexual organs. And then when this was done, he was to kill himself, which would result in him turning into God. Interesting. So. The shoes aren't working, Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> the wedges are not. The wedges are not <laughs> successful. So to become a god, Joseph would need the help of a god. So he brought along his 12-year-old son, Michael, because like we said, they were he considered them the three total gods, or he was yeah, one of the three. Sense. According to Joseph, Michael was enthusiastic, ruthless, and had a much bigger penis than Joseph. <laughs> well, it comes with a name, guys. That's, that's a... <laughs> so so oh. Michael would be perfect for the job. Because that he is would, one, that he, is one thing Joseph that he did have like a, a really small penis and that was uh, that's something that goes on through his well there how is that a fact that we, we know it, it goes on through this story It'll, I'll bring it up later on Mike wants to know if it was red though was it like a little red like this was a little dog cock is what he had it, sure a red dog cock <laughs> nothing like us Michaels. <laughs> So according to Joseph, God said, The destruction of the hamsters was the beginning. You continued by burning Mary Jo's thigh. Only you were supposed to shove the hot spatula up into her vagina and guts. But you chickened out and only burned the soft flesh by her vagina. Now the time has come for you, with Michael's help, to kill three billion people. It's a lot of people. Yeah, and like I said, we this is where we've been the hamsters would tie back in because he failed with that experiment as well. You didn't build them suits. <laughs> he failed hamster so bad, man. And, and committing crimes with, like we said, committing crimes with his kids was, was not a new dynamic to the family. Joseph would regularly take Joey out at night to spray paint the front of his school and would send Joey out to commit crimes for him, which, I mean, at 12, 13 years old, that does sound kind of fun. If your dad woke you up yeah. in the middle of the night and was like, hey, let's go fucking spray paint the your Sounds school. awesome. <laughs> Dave did that without his dad waking him up. <laughs> Incorrect. Statue of limitations are over, Dave. You're going to tell all that now. So Joseph called sending his kids out to commit crimes delegating. Joey was the Kensington delegate, and Michael would take care of the suburbs. Together, Joseph and Michael would take buses out around Pennsylvania and New Jersey and rob houses in the middle of the afternoon. And his wife, Betty, would know full well what they were doing and sometimes would wake up and make breakfast for Michael and Joseph before they went out to do this well, shit. Regular crime family, then. <laughs> but, I mean, it's also, too, she's probably really scared of him. I would suspect, yeah. And you're living in this house with steel plates that have been concrete you know, had concrete plastered over him and stuff. And little 12-year-old future felons. Yeah. On June 26, 1974, Joseph told Michael that he wanted to kill someone and that Michael was going to be the one to do it with him. And according to Joseph, Michael said, quote, glad to do it, Dad. <laughs> and I think... Uh, <laughs> Gave him a little punch on the arm. You're a swell, kid. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think going forward, take 
what Michael does with a grain of salt, like his the way Joseph, how Joseph says that he was so uh, enthusiastic to do this stuff. I don't think that that's accurate. I think this okay. guy was probably terrified. Probably, right? Yeah. I would imagine so. About a week after Joseph told Michael this, he pulled him aside and told him that today was going to be the day they were going to go kill someone. At about 6 p.m., they found a 10-year-old boy named Jose Colazo near the Man Recreation Center. They told Jose that they needed help carrying boxes of ribbon and they would pay him if he helped. They led Jose to an abandoned rug factory nearby and attacked him. They stripped him of his clothes, bound his hands and ankles with cord, and using a shoemaker's tool, Joseph cut his penis off and they let him bleed to death. Jesus Christ. After the boy had died, Joseph put his severed penis in his pocket and took it home. He sealed it in plaster, but when it started to smell after a couple days, he went outside and threw it in the sewer. And he was never suspected of this crime. I mean, they were never seen with this. It's just a random a random crime. Yeah. So when people talked about it in the neighborhood, Joseph said he acted like a, quote, outraged citizen. Oh, I bet he did. <laughs> and uh, and eventually, Jose's murder just turned into a, into a cold case and was kind of forgotten about. The day after this murder, Joseph told Michael that they were going to kill more, and according to Joseph, Michael just said, quote, good. Joseph also claimed that after this, he just completely forgot that he killed Jose. And it's kind of up for debate with it. If you want to, I mean, if he's compartmentalizing it and not making excuses for it, or if he really did forget, because there are rare cases of schizophrenia where people can have brief episodes of amnesia. Mm -hmm. So, God, how can someone this crazy function out in the world, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, Mm. I mean, the only thing he could do was make shoes. Not for hamsters. Well, no, but (laughs) (laughs) I guess the shoe thing's on autopilot and he just, yeah, it's this extracurricular activity. So about two weeks later, Joseph had a vision. Think of it like not a full blown hallucination that was interacting with him, but it's like a daydream that to him is like physically playing out in front of him. So it's like watching a movie, but it's actually happening in front of you. In this vision, he saw a boy being thrown from a mountain and when he saw this, he got an erection. So like we said before, when he gets hard, then he's on the right path. Things happen. <laughs> so Joseph was then told that he needed to throw the boy, wasn't sure who the boy was yet, off a cliff, and he would find the location in a brochure. He had a brochure sitting next to his bed for travel locations because throughout this, he was trying to be a dad to his kids. I mean... You know, there were moments where he was trying to be a good person um, and he was planning a day out with his sons. So in this brochure, he saw a picture of the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon, which I did not know exists. I I don't know what that is. (laughs) I don't know if it's like a big hole in the ground in Pennsylvania. It's like, well, shit, this is our Grand Canyon. Those motherfuckers come here and pay us money to see that. I've never heard of that. That's all they talk in Pennsylvania, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah? We're two hours from the border. I mean, well, you grew up, what, close to the border there? Yeah, right, right outside they talk, Pittsburgh. Right? They come here and pay us to see our big asshole. <laughs> That's how I imagine they talk. Bring your red cock over here to our big <laughs> asshole. Do, I don't know. Why would they be talking about a red cock, Dave? That doesn't even make sense in the story. <laughs> So as soon as he saw the picture of this, the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon, he knew he knew that this was the place. 
God told Joseph that he needed to kill his own son, Joey, and for a couple reasons. First, because he spent so much time disciplining his children, he had failed at the orthopedic experiments. <laughs> so now it's weird, that this, this God thing, it's like flipping it on him, you know? It's like, and you are going to be punished now because you failed for, you know, these experiments. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird. And second, if he could kill his own son, then he would have no problem killing everyone else in the world. Mm. Well, I mean, the same thing happened to Abraham, right? And now we consider him the father of the three biggest modern religions in the world. So, it's that, I, I mean, I don't know. God told Abraham to kill his son. He, he was, was about, about to. to. God stopped him, and he was the founder of Judaism and uh, um, Islam, right? It's the same person. You know more about that than I do. Yeah, you're our resident Bible expert. They all look back to Abraham. What, it was okay back then? Yes, it's not it's, okay it's now? It's the same story. I mean, he was told, kill your son. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure that he got this in his head somewhere because his parents were were religious. So yeah, I'm sure of course. he got that in his head at yeah. some point, and you know, this is all just kind of trickling down. So, according to Joseph, Michael had already suggested that Joey be their next victim because Joey and Michael just straight up fucking hated each other. So supposedly, Michael was hundred percent on board with and killing his brother. How old are they now? Twelve. And Michael's twelve, and Joey's fourteen. Jeez. Fuck yeah, Dad! Let's kill him. <laughs> Fucking hate that guy. That's how Michael, Joseph tells it. Twelve and fourteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Man. So on a Sunday afternoon, Joseph took his three sons to a bus station to get a ride to the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. But they all took too long in the bathroom and missed the bus. So <laughs> details, right? <laughs> they just had the shits. Like I don't understand what that. I don't know. They all took too long in the bathroom. Like not That's one of them he... was out there. Like hey, fuckos, the bus is here. <laughs> Zip up and get out. I don't know. Maybe like, the kids were running around being bad, and it's just like a line of stalls, and they're all in them, just shitting their brains out. They yeah. had some bad pizza the night before, I guess. <laughs> they're breathing in all those fucking toxic fumes. Yeah, probably had hamster on their pizza the night before. <laughs> So instead of this, they went to explore the mines of Pennsylvania, and and he just figured a a cliff's a cliff, you know what's the what's the <laughs> difference? So as Joseph was making the decision to throw Joey off the edge of a mine, he had a full blown vision standing in the bus station. In this vision, he saw himself laying naked on the floor, and Joey was throwing tree branches over his body. Joey lit it on fire, and as Joseph burned, his face melted off, and Joey sat down in a recliner smoking a cigarette. Because Joey wow. was also a 14-year-old chain smoker, too. Like he <laughs> of course just, he was. <laughs> yeah. So when they got to the mine, Joseph was ready to go and, and push Joey off, but when they got there, he lost his erection, so it was not time to do it, because he was hard this whole entire time. <laughs> Bluetooth should have sponsored this episode. (laughs) So this whole time he's camping with his kids, he was hard. Yeah. And then it was just at the moment he was about to kill, boop, went down. Shame. Yeah. They just hung out the rest of the day and walked around the mines and then went home. That was old limp dick with his kids. (laughs) Yeah. The next idea was to burn Joey alive in an empty truck container that was being stored in a parking lot near their house. Like we said, Joey was a chain smoker who loved to flick his cigarette butts. So Joseph figured he could trick his son into burning the truck container down with gasoline for fun. Because like we said, they love to do bad shit. So he'd be like, hey, let's go burn down this fucking uh, truck trailer. Fuck yeah, Dad. (laughs) Sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And when Joey flicked the cigarette, they would lock him in. On the night they planned to do it, Joseph started doing that tick again where he would laugh and and wiggled around like a snake. And that hadn't happened to him in 20 years. (laughs) 
after it stopped, he got Joey and Michael and gave them the gas to go burn down the truck container. So he's like, here, guys, go ahead, go ahead and go burn that shit down. I'm done doing the worm. Let's get the business. <laughs> Just as they thought, Joey thought it was funny to flick his cigarette butt to start the fire, but Michael was too short to lock the door. So instead, he wedged it with a milk crate and, and ran home. Joseph and Michael watched as black smoke came from the parking lot. But to their surprise, a few minutes later, Joey came walking up all covered in black ash and shit. <laughs> uh, Still not getting the hint. No, that they were yeah. trying to kill him. <laughs> right. What's up, guys? Uh, he was able to kick the door down because the milk crate wasn't wasn't wedged tight enough. And he thought Michael just got scared and took off. I'm going to shoot this kid. A lot of intricate planning here. Yeah. For... yeah. I mean, this one almost it worked this just like they planned out, they figured this kid would think it's hilarious to flick his <laughs> cigarette and burn it down. Let him do it to himself. So the third attempt would be in a condemned building not far from their house. Joseph and Michael to told Joey that they were going there to take some spooky pictures, and they would bring some locks and some chains for props. Joey was all about this idea, so off they went. To yeah, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Take their spooky pictures. This pack of fucking lucky strikes in his back pocket. <laughs> so on July 28th, 1974, in the basement of this building, they found a ladder sitting next to a muddy pool of old water. For a picture, Joey stood against the ladder and let Joseph and Michael chain him to it. Still not not really getting the hint here. That <laughs> Seriously, dude. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. They don't want you. And Joseph just tipped it over into the pool of water and watched Joey drown. Hey, you know what would be a funny picture? Let's put this in the water, you face down, and you act like you're struggling, and we're going to get a bunch of photos. Meanwhile, they just fucking tiptoe out of there. The poor kid's just struggling. Yeah, this is nuts. We're laughing about it. It is the death of a yeah. kid. But. Yeah, I mean, it is really, it's a dad and a, and a brother killing, you know. Uh, they then picked up the ladder, unchained Joey, and just left his body there. And as they were walking away, according to Joseph, just like the murder of Jose, he just completely forgot what he had done. Just like, mm. I think Flora Schreiber said it was uh, like he was trying, like more of a compartmentalization on this one. Like he didn't really want to kill his his own kid. Mm. Like the, the the him that was trying to be a normal did not want to really go through with this. It's amazing what the brain can do. Yeah. So Joey was reported missing by Betty that night, but his body wasn't found until two weeks later by a detective named Ed Funk. Since Joseph had a past of child abuse, he was considered suspect number one. On the day that Joseph was told he was the prime suspect, he was walking down the same street where he had killed Joey when off in the distance, he saw a head of a boy floating. Just p picture this whole, this whole scenario because this is fucking scary. Joseph tried to ignore it and kept walking, but the head followed him. So he's like looking back and this floating <laughs> severed <laughs> head <laughs> is like he described it as like bobbing. Like it's just like going through the just following him. When Joseph had got to the door, the head caught up with him. This hallucination was just a head with no mouth and no nose with pale white skin. And its eyes were filled with red veins. And this head was just staring right at Joseph so he unlocked the door and threw his keys at it and ran inside. <laughs> threw his keys. Get away from me, head. <laughs> Later on, Joseph was working on his shoes when the head came back. And even though this head didn't have a mouth, it spoke to him in a high-pitched voice and said, My name is Charlie. I belong to you, and you belong to me. 
and then it just disappeared. That's terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely. Jesus. The next time Charlie showed up was during an interrogation by the police regarding Joey's murder. So while the police are talking to him, all of a sudden Charlie just floated up behind one of the police officer's <laughs> shoulder and said, quote, Every cop in the room would love to see you in your coffin. According to Joseph, he just yelled at Charlie and told him to shut up. And the police officers like thought he was obviously thought he was talking to him. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So the police officer got pissed off and Charlie said, That pig thought you told him to shut up. Oink, 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 oink. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine A, this hallucination because it's terrifying, but like the police must have been like they already had like a really really fucking strong hunch that it was him yeah and then he's sitting there acting all like you could i mean you would assume if you're sitting there talking to him he's probably like looking over your shoulder like what the fuck like it's like having conversations with imaginary friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so after this interrogation the police still had nothing solid on joe joseph so they let him go and also around this time betty got pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter named bonnie which just blows my mind that they're still. Did she think have he had anything to do with killing Joey? I don't think so. Didn't suspect him at all. Mm -mm. They never do, Dave. They never do. The, the spouse, wife? the spouses. Yeah. So the guy, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, no, he's a normal swell guy. Bonnie was born with a rare skin condition that caused purple patches all over her skin, and it does. There's no cure for it. So one night, Joseph had a full-blown hallucinatory vision that gave him the answer to cure his daughter's condition. This is a fucking crazy vision. Like, this is something straight out of, like, a horror movie. In this vision, Joseph was walking down, down a long corridor with a crystal wand in his hand. Suddenly, tons of golden shoelaces fell from the sky, and then angels appeared and started singing. So after these angels were done singing, a headless, naked woman appeared. And sitting where her head should have been, there was a demon with an erect penis. <laughs> this woman Stay with us on this one, folks. <laughs> We're gonna get through some stuff here. This woman's whole stomach was cut open, and hanging from her nipples was a small man with bat wings and a frog's head. This small man also had an erect penis and was trying to put it in the open wound that was going down the front of this woman. And then playing like smacking at this small man's feet was Joseph's baby daughter, Bonnie, who was laying in the woman's intestines. Lots to unpack a, there. Yeah, yeah. This is a visual. Yeah. Joseph heard fire and turned around to see a pathway of people on fire chained to the ground, and their arms were stretched out like branches of trees. On the ground around these people were just a bunch of empty shoes just dancing around these, uh, these, dying, or these burning people. Then appeared the face of what he thought was the devil, and it morphed into a vagina. <laughs> the vagina told Joseph in a seductive voice, I know what will cure Bonnie. Take my fluid, mix it with your semen and with perfume, and put the liquid on Bonnie's sores. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a seductive vagina, yeah, yeah. So Joseph took this this vision as absolute instruction. So he sent out to find vaginal fluid. So. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't know any other way to type it. This, dun, dun, dun. this is really a Blue Chew episode. The quest How begins. How the fuck did we not get them for this? <laughs> Are you in search for vaginal fluid? <laughs> Try a Blue Chew. Guaranteed to make that fluid come. <laughs> Jesus. 
So since Joseph didn't remember that he had killed anyone so far, he told Michael that they were going to go find someone to get vaginal fluid from, and then they would kill this, this woman to start off their murder spree. With a butcher's knife hidden in a brown paper bag, Joseph and Michael got on a bus and went to Lindenwald, New Jersey to, to find someone. Nothing going on here. Just me and my boy <laughs> and a bus ride to find vaginal fluid. Got a brown paper bag, probably with a knife like poking out the bottom of it. <laughs> Fuck you looking at, lady. Get out of here. Oh, man. As they were looking for a house, Charlie showed back up. And when Joseph told, told Charlie to, to, to get the fuck out of there, go away, Charlie said, Joseph, you old horse's ass. Chicken brain. Fuck her up. <laughs> you're a real laugh. You know that? If you're going to be God, then I'm the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to fuck that Virgin Mary. Nice. I just get you some, Charlie. <laughs> That's why I imagine Charlie is just uh, Joseph being like, "Fuck, man! Like, leave me alone!" Like, you're just being so mad, so mean to me all the time. I kind of picture him as Charlie Day from Always Sunny. <laughs> you guys don't want, do we have we? You guys watch that show? Mm-hmm. You watch it. I you don't watch it too I much. I do not. He's got a high pitched voice too, so it works. So after Charlie said this, the pupils in his eyes turned white, and he just faded away while laughing. As this was going on, Michael walked up and said that he had found a house. Michael had gone to a house and asked a woman if she wanted to buy tie clasps. When she tie clasps, I don't know. Is that like that little clip? I guess like a tie clip. I, I guess. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. They used to sell those door to door. I think they sold everything door to door back then. Yeah, that's probably true. When she said her husband didn't wear those, he asked if he could talk to him, and she said he wasn't home. So he's like, "Boom! There's my house." Yeah. Joseph went to the house acting like he was mad with Michael. And he was like dragging him along and asked the woman if Michael had tried to sell her something. And she kind of was like, All right, this seems weird and tried to close the door on him. And Joseph just pushed his way into the house. Joseph took her up to a bedroom, stripped her clothes off, tied her wrists and ankles to the bed frame and put a pillowcase over her head. They went through the house. Him and Michael went through the house stealing stealing valuables then joseph told his son he wanted to be alone with the woman and once michael was gone joseph had another vision joseph looked over into the corner of the room and saw the figure of a man when this man turned around joseph realized that that this man was his double this double of joseph pulled out a knife and started stabbing it into uh in and out of the stomach of a nude woman before Joseph could replicate this vision, he needed to get the vaginal fluid from the woman that was tied to the bed. Just as he was about to rape this woman, he lost his erection and the visions just disappeared. Joseph just rubbed his penis against this woman's vagina until he had somewhat of an orgasm. And then using his finger, he got vaginal fluid from her, mixed it with his semen in a rubber glove, and then took a bottle of her perfume. And since this vision instructing him to murder vanished, he was like, all right, well, I'm not supposed to kill her. So he just left. So no masks or anything, right? Oh, no. No, absolutely. He dressed up in a full suit when he went to do this shit. He was completely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. Don't we, oh, we get to that later on? And yeah. that was like, wait a minute. Why the fuck's he taking off a shirt and tie? No, no. Yeah, he's dressed. He's fully dressed up for these things. Well, he wants to look nice. You I mean if you're going to sell tie clips door to door, you're going to look professional, right? <laughs> you show off the tie clips. You're going to wear right? a tie clip. <laughs> Plus, he wanted to wear his fancy shoes. I'm sure. His mm-hmm. got all the wedges. Yeah. yeah. So when he got home, he mixed everything together with warm water and applied it to Bonnie's skin for a week. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Oh, that's where I check out. 
when that didn't work, I mean, obviously that's not going to work. So when it didn't work, Charlie came back to taunt Joseph and then told him to go with Michael to go out the next day, find a house and just kill whoever was inside. So Charlie's not, not given the best advice here. I'm starting to think that Charlie's a real troublemaker. <laughs> Charlie doesn't have Joseph, Joseph's best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. I don't think he does. The next day, Joseph and Michael went to Susquehanna Township, Pennsylvania, and found a house. The night before, Joseph had a vision again with his double, who he now called the Supreme Power. So we got another character in here. It's his twin, the Supreme Power. (laughs) So the Supreme Power was pouring lighter fluid into a woman's eyes, so Joseph figured that's what I got to do. At 11.30 a.m., the two of them broke into a house while a woman who lived there was gone shopping. When she got home, Joseph surprised her by jumping out with a gun. What do you think the father-son banter is like while they're waiting waiting for the woman to get home? I, I don't know. I I really I picture this as Michael is just forced to go along with mm. this, like probably terrified of his dad. Like, am I... Because, I mean, you got to think, Joseph just stops and has these visions. Like, he's just staring off into nothing. You've already killed your brother. But I was going to say, like, he seemed eager to kill his brother. But we don't know for sure because, we'll, and we'll get into later, Michael's never talked about any of this publicly. So we don't really know. I would assume that this kid has some sense of fear of his father. Yeah. Do you think while they're waiting in the home, like, uh, Michael's like, Dad, she's got some Oreos. Can I have some? No, put them the fuck away. We're waiting to kill some people. I did them hungry. No, you can't have her fucking Oreos. You'll spoil your dinner. Yeah. Now go hide in that fucking closet with his gun. <laughs> Do as I say. So again, they tied her to the bed, but this time Joseph put cotton balls that were soaked in lighter fluid on her eyes and then covered them with tape. Oh my God. Also, like the last time, the Supreme Power was instructing Joseph on what to do which this time was to set the woman on fire. As he pulled out the bottle of lighter fluid to do it, the vision disappeared, so Joseph stopped. As Joseph was getting ready to leave, the doorbell rang because this woman had planned a luncheon that day. As people started to show up, Joseph and Michael attacked them and tied them up with wire hangers. In total, they had four people tied up with wire hangers and the woman tied to the bed with lighter fluid soaking into her eyes. Then Joseph had another vision. So that's what I mean with him just stopping and staring like pictures. You're tied up on a floor. You don't know if this guy's going to like fucking kill you or what. And then he just stops and just stares off into the distance. Joseph watched as the Supreme Power walked out of the kitchen to a table where it was set for the luncheon. The Supreme Power laid down four women, cut off their breasts, cut down their torsos, and then started pulling out their insides. The Supreme Power then removed their eyes and tongues and put everything in pans. I just pictured the Supreme Power grinning at Joseph, like looking at him sideways while he's doing all this, (laughs) winking at him. Supreme Power was my nickname in college. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, oh, that's Mike. He's got the Supreme Power in his pants. (laughs) Never heard that one before. Well, why would you, though, Dave? (laughs) You You don't, I don't think, speak with all of my... True. Sexual encounters in college. True, true. All 854 of them. (laughs) (laughs) No one's counting. The Supreme Power took these pans into the kitchen and then immediately turned around and walked back out carrying golden plates with all these women's insides and their eyes and everything arranged like a meal. But now the Supreme Power had turned into what Joseph called the perfect waiter. (laughs) (laughs) The 
perfect waiter then brought out a big silver plate with the four women's heads arranged facing outward. So it's like, you know. In a circle. Yeah. Um, and they each had an apple in their mouth. In the middle of the four heads was Charlie, who just looked up at Joseph and winked. <laughs> That's <God>. awesome. <laughs> Think how fucking, <laughs> how scary that is. There's four severed women's heads. They each have an apple in their mouth. Then this other fucking head that doesn't have a nose or a mouth, just these like beet red eyes, just like winks Gives at you. Gives you the old wink. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question, Dave. Maybe you'll know. What's the whole gimmick with the apple in the mouth? Like when you're like, like you know, like they pigs got, like, when yeah, you roast like the a pig, pig on like the spit, and they got the apple. Like, what is that? Is it for flavor? Is it? I mean, when you roast stuff, you put open? aromatics like you know onions and garlic and citrus and apples and inside the roast. Maybe that, that's what it was that, then. I assume that's where it originated with the pig. Hmm. I've never done a whole pig. I guess I'm not real sure. I think we should do that. Necronama pig. It is tasty. We'll invite all of our listeners. Pig roast this Bl- summer, Bl- all the listeners. Block party in front of your house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll close off the streets. We'll Sounds do a great. live broadcast from the driveway, and we'll just roast a pig. That'd be amazing. And if everyone can bring a side dish, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get you know a couple hundred kegs of beer. <laughs> We're gonna need it. Yeah. All right, it's planned. We'll see you guys in June. <laughs> <laughs> then a man walked into this this hallucination. This guy, and this is not real. This is this guy is also part of the vision. But this guy walks into the vision, and Joseph assumed that this was the woman who lived in the house's husband. The perfect waiter sat this guy down at the table, blindfolded him, and then the guy started to eat. So he's eating all the insides and everything. After the man was done eating, the perfect waiter cut off his genitals and his head and then placed his head on the table and put his genitals in his mouth. That wasn't very nice of the perfect waiter. <laughs> and with that, the vision was over, and Joseph fully believed that all of these people were dead and God's will had been done. And he called to Michael, told him that they were done there, everyone was dead, so they left. And meanwhile, every in reality, everyone was just sitting there tied up. But Joseph fully believed that this had all really happened. Yeah. Well, our work is done here, son. Let's uh yeah. skedaddle. Yeah. Pack on up. I mean, meanwhile, what's what's the son thinking? Like, Dad, we've literally done nothing. <laughs> I should expose our faces and tie these people up. Now you tell me to leave. Yeah, yeah that's was... what I mean. I think Michael was uh, more of a not willing person than than he was than it's claimed to be. On January 8th, 1975, in Livonia, New Jersey, Joseph again had Michael knock on a door, and when a woman answered, Joseph pushed his way into the house. The woman tried to tell Joseph that her grandmother was upstairs, but Joseph forced this woman to take off her clothes and start walking upstairs to kill the woman's grandmother with a butcher knife that he brought. As he was walking upstairs, the doorbell rang, and like last time, this woman had people coming over to her house. At the door was the woman's sister and her sister's son. Joseph brought them inside, forced them to strip, and after they were restrained, the doorbell rang again. Joseph answered the door with his gun, ordering two more women and a man inside. Once they were restrained, the doorbell rang again. This was a young woman named Maria Fashing, but this time Joseph just opened up the door and greeted her nicely. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) We're having a little lunch and... She was a friend of the family and initially thought that Joseph was also a friend of the family that she had never met. It's like, oh, all right. That makes sense. I mean, who else is going to be answering the door? <laughs> right. This fucking lunatic. I didn't realize luncheons were so popular back in this day. Hmm. I like luncheons. 
Yeah, I don't. I guess I. The only yeah. luncheons I've been to are like work luncheons. I've never been to like a house luncheon. Just people getting together to have. Let's have, have a luncheon lunch. together sometime. A nec- a, I like a luncheon. Necronama luncheon. That's some cold cuts. Yeah. Sure. Listeners invited. Bring your own side dish. <laughs> um, Limit it to patrons, maybe. <laughs> Ooh, there's a tease. <laughs> we haven't said what tier yet, though, either. <laughs> so this uh, this Maria fashion woman, she fought back and started to try and, and untie everybody, but stopped when Michael pointed a gun at her and told her to stop. As he was tying up Maria, Joseph noticed a butcher knife like the one that he had on him floating through the air, and on the end of it was his own penis hanging off of it. (laughs) (laughs) Then Charlie floated into the room and told Joseph he had to cut off a penis today, and there would be no debate about it, no nothing. It had to happen. The penis has to come off. Yep. (laughs) In that moment, Joseph had another vision. In this vision, there was a long hallway with portraits of people all from his past, like his parents, his ex-wife, just all these people, and they were all making fun of the size of his penis. When the vision stopped and Charlie was still there staring at Joseph, Joseph asked Charlie, quote, cut off my own cock, and Charlie replied, Not yours, jerk off, the big guy on the floor, his cock. I like this Charlie guy. Joseph motherfucker <laughs> Joseph picked up the man and took him down to the basement of the house. Joseph tied the man to the water pipe and pulled down his pants. Then he went upstairs and randomly chose Maria to come down to the basement with him. And he said later on that this was just completely random. It could have been any anybody up there. Mm. Once they were in the basement, Joseph told her, quote, "Bite off this man's penis or die." And Maria told him that she would rather die. And without hesitation, Joseph stabbed her in the side of the neck with the butcher knife and then multiple times in the back. But she didn't fall down. She was tied up still. She had, like, everything was still tied, but mm. yeah, she didn't fall down. That's wild. Yeah. Like, no, like, that's what I mean. It's, it's so, uh, his crimes are so sporadic. You know what I mean? Like, other ones, the vision stop, and he's like, oh, all right, I'm not going to do this. But then this time, he just, like, no hesitation. I don't know if it's because Charlie told him, like, 100% you're doing shit today or, or what. So as she stood there bleeding, Michael yelled out from upstairs that one of the women that they that they had tied up got away. So Joseph took off upstairs, and but he looked back at Maria, who was still standing, and Joseph said that she was just shuffling left and right, and look, he said she looked like she was dancing. Yeah, that's what she was doing, asshole. That's creepy as fuck, though. Just that description. That, yeah. Mm. So yeah, that that weird that is weird about like the dancing thing. Um, I wonder if she really was, or if he was just well, probably passing out and just trying yeah. to stay on her feet. Well, uh, real life story. Um, the uh, I read a report when uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart died. About a year or so, uh, was it two years ago? Um, I read a report. He woke up like in the middle of the night and went to go check like the thermometer. He was like real hot or something. And his wife was like behind him and she said he was checking it. And then he like froze and turned around and like looked like he was about to like do like the cha cha and fell over dead. Oh, that's like weird. his body like kind of like froze up and like tensed. And then he like fell. Like it looked like mm. he was ready to dance and then went down and that always kind of creeped me out like that was just weird it's freaky also yeah. sad that he died but that's yeah. weird i don't know so that when when i read that i was like that that's what it reminded me of yeah. when i read that report 
So they ran out the door and stopped at a local baseball field where Joseph took off his jacket, tie, and dress shirt and used a puddle of water to try and get the blood out of his clothes. It wasn't working, so they kept running, and they got to a green shed, and Joseph threw his clothes in there and left. Then they hopped on a train to New York City and, and got some pizza. <laughs> I mean, it's just this so f- fucking, fucking family loves pizza. It's so yeah. random. After they made it back home, Joseph had assumed they got away with all of it. That there was, you know, yeah. sure covered our tracks today, good son. <laughs> <laughs> Police investigated Joseph after they found the bloody shirt, and it had his last name sewn into it. <laughs> God damn, that's great. And after eyewitness testimony that. He and his son had been seen in the area. They're like, yeah, this fucking kid's like knocking on my door. And his dad, uh, the police looked into him and Joseph and Michael were arrested on kidnapping and rape charges and eventually charged with three counts of murder in, uh, in New Jersey. And Joseph pled insanity. He was found sane and sentenced to life in prison on October 14th, 1976. And Michael was judged to be under his father's control. He was sent to a reformatory. He went to like, uh, he had like some foster parents and stuff. And then when he was cleared from probation and everything at 21, he moved out of the state and changed his name. It's never spoken about this. And I don't, I don't blame him. Yeah. Right. I know Flora Schreiber tried to track him down for the book and got a hold of like his foster parents or whatever. And they were like, yeah, no, he doesn't want to talk about it. We're not talking about it. That's that. So he might be out there walking around today. He probably is. You know, he was 12 years old and when all this went down. So there's probably what 60 ish. Yeah. Well, somewhere around there. So hopefully he was able That's to. Scary. Well, if he, if he was, if he didn't want to be there, which I, I personally lean towards that he didn't want to be doing this stuff. Sure. Cause we're, this is all going off of what Joseph had to say about things. So. Joseph made several suicide attempts in prison, including attempting to set himself on fire. He had also attacked tons of inmates, and he was finally transferred to a mental hospital in Trenton, New Jersey. He was then transferred to a mental hospital in Philadelphia on May 18, 1979. Flora Schreiber, who we talked about a bunch, was the author of the, the best-selling book, Sybil, intervie- interviewed Joseph in jail in 1976. And she based this on her, her book that was published, published by Simon & Schuster, The Shoemaker, The Anatomy of a Psychotic in 1983. Um, later, this book fell under the, the Son of Sam law and was bought by one of, the victim, one of the victim's families since Joseph received royalties from this book. I think he got like a 10% cut or something. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Because now they you can't they can't sell shit like prisoners can't because of the son of Sam. They can't law. profit from their own crimes. Yeah, a judge awarded the family the earnings from not only Joseph but Schreiber and Simon and Schuster as well, leaving Schreiber with nearly a hundred thousand dollars in personal debt due to expenses of the book's research, including phone calls to Joseph in prison, which totaled twelve hundred dollars per month for several years. That's not good for her. No. No, it's not. She shouldn't have given him the royalties. That doesn't seem right. You know. I don't know how I feel about that. Like you can't you can't tell me I can't write a book about something just because No, I think she should be fine. Yeah, she should be fine. But that's I don't not... think I don't think he should be able to get a cut of anything. No, I agree with that, but that's not how this initial judge ruled though, right? Yeah. Well, right. That's what her... I'm saying. Yeah. But 
where she went wrong is where she was giving him a cut. I think is what I suppose. But I don't think she should be have a penalty for this. No. Yeah, she should be able to write whatever book she wants. Well, years later that she was awarded, it was switched to where Joseph's royalties were the only ones required to be given to the family. That makes so they 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 went back on it. Michael Corda, the editor of Simon and Schuster, said that for many years he received a Christmas card from Joseph from jail. And Flora Schreiber said she grew close to Joseph during the the writing process, and they regularly exchanged letters and phone calls until Flora died in 1988. Wow. Uh, and Joseph died of heart failure on March 26, 1996, mm-hmm. at SCI Crescent, which was a mental uh, institution. He had spent the last 11 years of his life on suicide watch and in solitary confinement because he was so violent and couldn't even let him out to be around people. Nope. Nope. And he, he probably, well, I'm not even gonna say probably, he definitely should not have ever been, uh, sent to a regular prison. Yeah. He should have been found guilty on reason of insanity. Don't they force like antipsychotic meds on you when you're locked up like that? Yeah. Never did anything. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, He's a he's a guy that I don't think he didn't have a chance from the beginning. Yeah. You know, when you're you have it beaten to your head that you have a demon living inside you, and then all of a sudden, then schizophrenia pops in. Yeah, what are you supposed to do from there? I don't, <laughs> don't disagree. Hard to get better from there. Yeah, and I I think with like how sporadic his crimes were, I mean, he should have been you know reason of insanity. He didn't try to cover anything up. You know. Yeah. Really. He just left his fucking shirt laying there that had his last name on it. And so you think, do you think he forgot some of those for real? I don't forgot know, because some, like the the one with uh, where the five people were tied up, that he his vision, they were killed, and he thought that that was real. When people kept coming in, ringing the doorbell, he thought that was great. He was like, oh, shit, well, I haven't even kicked this off yet, so now I got five to kick off my uh, <laughs> my murder spree of the whole world. So maybe he really did, and I don't know. It's a very bizarre story. That's interesting. Yeah, it's this... one of the crazier ones. We should make the movie and frame out all those uh, with Charlie. All the hallucinations with Charlie and stuff. The oh, one hey, vision. jerk off. <laughs> the one vision is nuts with the his baby sitting inside in the, the intestines. What is it, the people hanging from the nipples? Yeah, the guy with the bat wings and the frog's head. <laughs> Man, if we could film those hallucinations. It's like a crazy We'll get Olivia Wilde. Trip. We'll yeah. get Olivia Wilde, the star is uh, oh, the woman. It's all coming go. together, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I feel bad. I, I mean, he killed people. He killed his own son and stuff. But I, I do feel... Uh, he was a sick guy, yeah. obviously. If he would have, like you said before, if he would have got help from the psychiatrist in the Who beginning... Who met with him for five minutes. Yeah. That's upsetting. Quite possibly. Give that guy the time of day. He's your patient. Right. Give him a full assessment, test. Maybe you'll save a life or tons of lives. Like just maybe wait around, like talk a little bit. Yeah. Wait for him to to mention those uh, experiments on the hamsters or something. Right. (laughs) Or whatever, you know, whatever the psychiatrists do, like, you know, just for normal testing, like just don't give a guy five minutes. Yeah. A lot of these stories we've talked about, it's like, well, if that one turning point wouldn't have happened, yeah. who was the one dude that smashed up, like, a, was it the pet cat right in front of his mom? Richard, Richard Chase. Chase, Chase yeah. yeah. And she just was like, oh, boys will be boys. Let's get you your own apartment, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need any of that around here. Yeah. Just little things like, you know, if you 
made the effort there. He is Richard Chase if Richard Chase could have functioned in society a little better. Although he couldn't wear an orange coat like Richard Chase could. True. Yeah. Nobody can wear that coat like Richard. <laughs> That's going to be my Halloween costume next year. Nobody will get it. But I have one. You can borrow mine. I'm just going to wear an orange puffy coat. <laughs> So that's Joseph Callinger. All right. It's not delightful. No, this wasn't the most delightful story. It's this pretty was, interesting. Though. It was interesting. The The hallucinations are interesting. The hallucinations are kind of fun. The killings, not so much. It's like, what did I, I text you? It's like a like a kid's movie from hell when, yeah, Char, yeah. when Charlie shows up, like <laughs> winking at him. Hey, and- guys. <laughs> Let's go kill people. Ian, you got anything else to uh, wrap this one up? Nope. Dave, what do you got for us? I got nothing. I'm done. You are out. You are speechless. I'm You're- shocked and awed, and ready for a pillow. <laughs> We're going deep into the nighttime hours. All right. Well, we got some uh, Patreon shoutouts. We got a bunch this last week. We did pretty good. This, mm-hmm. you know. Also, we didn't mention at the top of the uh, the show we have the new dollar uh, Patreon level for anybody who just wants to. Um, you know, help out the show for a dollar a month. We'll give you a shout out when you uh, when you do um, subscribe to that tier. Um, but new Patreon shout outs for this past week. Thank you very much to Ali Motley, Aslahan, Angelina Schuler, Jennifer Pirtle, Ali Finland, Zachariah Melton, Sean Lamont, Gabrielle Frame, Jay Achilles, Charlotte Johnston, Eric Streckfus, Dante. Samuel, Jason Lyons, Kaya Maverick, and Samantha. Thank you very much to all the new patrons. We really appreciate your support. Uh, it means a lot to us that you guys are uh, willing to help out the show just for listening to us talk every week. So thank you very much. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what uh, shout-outs we have from the uh, reviews? From iTunes, I have one for Brutally Blonde Wife who she says that she hopes the Foster's commercial references come back. Oh, Fabia, Australian yeah. Fabia. <laughs> it's my favorite brand of beer. What's with, it's all, the only thing they drink in Australia. And I think all of our Australian listeners have confirmed that time after time. Yeah, they said it's delicious, and I don't think there's any other beer for sale there, so they don't really yeah. have a choice, though. Yeah. They have to drink the Faust as a Australian Fabia. They love it. <laughs> they love it there. They've told us it's that. It's in that can, the Faust's. Yeah in that big pounder it's like a chode can. Yeah. it's a chode it's, a, it's australian fabia yeah. <laughs> and then i have one for jessica one 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 eight nine inch nerds dolphin 77 hail mugs hail mugs I hope he's got a shirt or she's got a shirt i hope so get your christmas shopping done uh soon while he's looking that up uh merchandise is available i don't know if you're going to make it for christmas by the time this one comes out because a couple days away but uh go to amazon search necronomapod we have t-shirts tank tops long sleeves and hoodies available in all of our designs uh that we've released thus far amazon.com and you can just search necronomapod it all comes up and then my last one is for hopster me also from Australia. All right. Thank you very much. Love those Australian fans. Yeah, we got a bunch of listeners from Australia. It's cool. I want to go there. Me too. If, Actually, we get, if we get enough, we can do a show. I would love to do a live show there. Well, we just drink Fosters, right? On well, stage. It's the only beer they have there. Of yeah. course we will. <laughs> can you imagine the party that would be, though? God damn, that'd be awesome. Then we'd get bit by some crazy fucking spiders, and we would end <laughs> up being buried there. Well, no. If I'm going out in Australia, I'm going out getting 
kicked in the head or punched in the head by a fucking kangaroo. <laughs> fucking a Nate Diaz motherfucking kangaroo coming at me. Dave, what do you got for us on the socials? From Twitter, Minta Menapai and Space King Bobby from Instagram, Mike Hatch and Jeff Bertrand. Thanks, guys. And Jeff's the uh, artist. He's the one that drew that, you know, his own depiction of the uh, Flatwoods monster that he sent us. Oh, yeah. The cool. picture. I was of. looking at some of that dude's paintings. They're fucking yeah. badass. He's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod. Please feel free to give us a uh, follow. Reach out to us. Send us a message. We love hearing from you guys. If you have any um, show requests that uh, we might not have heard of, let us know. Can't guarantee we'll do them, but we'll add them to our list to definitely look into. And uh, as always, thank you so much for the support. All right. You guys ready for a cool-down beer? Cheers.